This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Wonder contract on love. You're on in your face on 3CR with James. On today's show, performer and activist Creatrix Tiara joins us. We also speak with Jacob Thomas from Stop Deportations to Danger, and later Kate Ford and Katie Cullen from Queer Space join us to talk about diversity and inclusion in football. You're listening to 3CR Radio. In Your Face would like to thank Thornharbour Health for their financial support of this program. Thornharbour Health envisions a healthy future for our gender, sex and sexuality diverse communities. A future without HIV and a future where all people live with dignity and respect. To find out more about them, search Thornharbour Health on your search engine or find them on Facebook. Joined in the studio by Creatrix Tiara. Welcome. You've got some very exciting news. I do. Yes. Hello. Yes. So finally, I can finally talk about it. I have just been accepted to be part of the lineup for Sister Spit, which is an American cutie pop touring uh, roadshow of performance artists and spoken word artists. And it's going to be happening in the West Coast of the US next March. That is so exciting. Tell us a bit more about them. Like, what will you be doing with them and who will you be touring with? And I just want to know everything. Everything, sure. So Sister Spit has been around in one way, shape or form since 1994. There are queer feminist uh, roadshows of mostly like spoken word poets, some performance artists. And they have had people like Eileen Miles and Dorothy Allison and Justin Vivian Bond and Michelle T and all these like really notable like queer feminist writers and artists and thinkers 
on board. And in the last few years, they've made it like exclusively a people of color space, a queer trans indigenous people of color. And so, you know, they go to different uh, cities, usually in the in the West Coast of the U.S. because they've been to Europe and other places. People perform and show off queer feminist art. And I'm going to be doing bits from my Queer Lady Magician show on there. So Queer Lady Magician is, in effect, having an international tour, which is very exciting. And of course, 2020 is an election year in the US. It's kind of scary to think what kind of America you'll be visiting and performing in around issues around gender and and race. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I was there two years ago for something different and it was right in the middle of the travel ban. And I have a Malaysian passport and a Muslim name and Muslim face. I was like, oh, I'm going to get in trouble. So I had like this whole safety plan where like a bunch of my best friends and my sister were in this group WhatsApp chat and they had all my information and this plan for what happens if I get deported, call this number, blah, blah. And then I get to the airport and nothing happens to me. <laughs> it's up being like one of the least terrifying trips I've ever had. Like, like it's, it's like all of this panic for nothing. And that's not to say that this will happen again in 2020 because as you said it's election year and it's you know the type the stuff that's happening with ice and you know the increasing increasing amount of danger that immigrants and undocumented people are being put through so definitely that is a concern and you know there's a very real prospect that i might not even be able to get the u.s like if i'm still trying to figure out my effort but even when i get there you know there's still a very real possibility that i can't even get through the border or something might happen to me but i think you know firstly that i'm well aware that this is a possibility. And I've got resources and networks over there, like the Sister Speed team. And, you know, because they're all cutie pock and there's a good number of people who are also from a similar background. And so they'll have resources. I used to live in San Francisco and so I've got connections there as well. So I think even if the worst does happens to me, at the very least, there will be a very active hashtag campaign. But yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a thing to consider. But I think that's why stuff like Sister Spit is so important. Yeah, you know? tell us a bit more about it. Like, where did it begin? Uh, like, what what are its origins? So its origins, uh, it's in 1994, and it was originally like a group of people who were queer feminist writers to who you know wanted to go and share their work, basically. And yeah, it was a lesbian feminist spoken word performance art collective based in San Francisco, started in 94, disbanded in 2006, and it started up again the next year. Um, you know, a literary celebration of outspoken and courageous feminists. And then in the last like few years or so, they've made it like primarily queer people of color. So, so the similar sentiment of celebrating work by queer feminist artists and bring them to different communities, you know, especially spaces that may not necessarily be able to uh be, participate or enjoy this work any other way and building those connections that way building communicate that way so it sounds like sister spit has got with the queer times and has oh become, they were the queer times like you know they're gender diverse now but yeah like it used to like it, to reflect like gender diversity they have made it open to non-binary people as well in in more recent years but yeah you know like it's interesting to talk about going with the queer times, right? In a lot of ways, they were the queer times. Like, they were often, like, the trendsetter for a lot of different things. Do you know who else is going to be on tour with you? Yes. So, um, on on my lineup, will me, um, mostly all American artists, I'm the only one who is on. Um, we've got Ananya Garg, Dina Rod, Junauda Petras, Librek Baker, Mia Willis, and Nitram Nadraj. And I had, like, a 
Google search of them today to see what it was. I know Dina from like way back, so it'd be interesting to reunite with her because I haven't seen her in like five years. But you know, they're all like really amazing spoken word poets, slam poets. Some have published books. You know, some talk about like poetry and race and social justice, and it'd be great to be uh, on a, on a tour with all of this amazing, really in- intelligent, really articulate, really thoughtful talent and then here's me like doing random magic show stuff so that'll be like an interesting like hey everyone's giving you this really serious slam poetry and now here i am <laughs> Ta-da. so how are you going to modify queer lady magician like what last time we spoke you talked about uh it's kind of evolution what's sure. what's what's in store for queer lady magician so with the u.s version of this which is the version is going to be a sister spit because it's going to be part of a longer variety lineup it won't be like the whole show a, no time. B, it will involve transporting like three extra people plus a hundred props and there's no way that's going to happen. So it'll be like excerpts, I guess, of the show and there's already like certain tricks in the show that I've already performed elsewhere as its own standalone thing. You know, like I have my signature cups and balls like with menstrual cups. So that's definitely going to be a thing because that's very thematically appropriate. Um, but there's also like a couple of other stories from Queer Lady Magician that are likely going to be in Sister Spit on their own. For example, one of the stories, and actually I think the story that the Sister Smith people highlighted as their favorite, because they had to send a writing sample, is the story I tell in the show about my manipulative ex. And in the show, it's a story, it's a dance number, it's a duet dance number. It's not necessarily like a magic trick situation, it's more like a straight up story. But it it there's a it ties into the plot of the main show. So like that's gonna be adapted to work as a standalone piece and then we'll see like you know i'm also besides the sister spit tour um i'm also currently researching where else in the u.s i can perform stuff from queer lady magician because you know if i'm going to be all the way there i might as well like make a trip out of it well exactly last time we spoke you talked about the possibility of being on a u.s cable network (laughs) uh, doing doing tricks with menstrual cups yeah so there's like this tv talent show called pen and tell us fool us where you know, basically magicians compete and to perform in front of Penn and Teller with these really world-famous magicians. And the the challenge is to see if they if Penn and Teller can figure out how you did it. And if they can't figure it out, you you win. And so, I, don't, I mean, I don't know how likely they're going to be on TV, on this show. But, hey, I'm in the right continent if Penn and Teller wants to take my audition. Even if they figure out how I did it, if they, they have menstrual cups on TV, why not? <laughs> So tell us about the audition process for Sister Spit. Oh, it wasn't really an audition process. It was a form. Um, so it's an online application. And they ask you, I remember the questions were a lot about like, how do you work well in a team? Because it's going to be a tour. You're going to be with a group of like eight or so people on the road for two weeks. And so a lot of the questions were basically, how do you work well with people? What sort of, you know, what sort of people do you work well with? What sort of issues come up when you collaborate what sort of thing can't you work with and you know it was very interesting because i don't think i've really had a lot of people ask me that in terms of people like oh how are you like with teamwork but these are like very considered like what sort of things are uh, unacceptable for you what sort of things would you prefer in a collaboration and have you ever toured before and a writing sample so it was a little like they do ask about your art but they ask about your art more in terms of like what showing samples but the form was much more about how are you working with other people. And what did you say about collaboration? Um, I mostly said that, you know, I appreciate working with people who have a shared cause in mind. 
that are you know will can bring their own thing to the table but ultimately we're all in it together for the same cause and so everything we're doing serves that cause because sometimes it can get really easy to get lost in your own random tangents and it turns out like it's not really doing any good for the main project yeah and then the, so, so I also said, like, you know, one of the reasons I want to participate because I've been following Sister Spit for quite some time. Like, I read, they, I think they publish like an anthology every so often. I read on the anthologies and I've known people who've done it. And I've always respected them as, like, this avenue for other queer feminist writers to show their work. And in the U.S., it's a big deal. In the U.S., it's a really big deal. And I told them, like, hey, I've been following Sister Spit, so it'd be an honor but also, like, you know, the Melbourne queer POC community is great, but can also be a little bit insular, you know, just because of the nature of communities in Australia. Often it's like, not to see a ton of people and a ton of different spaces is often the same people. And sometimes it can be refreshing to just go somewhere else and get to know more people and get to know different people. And so I said, like, it would be a great opportunity for me to be able to reach out to a whole other sphere of community. And what did you say about the stuff that you can't do, that you don't want to do, the stuff that gets up your goat? Because it sounds like they explored that with the application process. What did you say in relation to that? Oh, well, I think, what did I say? I think I said stuff like how like people uh, go off on tangents and when they're not helpful, but, you know, not just go off on tangents, because sometimes that happens, that you just deal with it. But like the, the issue of like trying to communicate that, and if people react really poorly to that or like, you know, have issues, I've had issues before with trying to set boundaries and people pushing back against the boundaries a lot or taking the fact that you're trying to set a boundary as kind of offensive in its own way. And that's been very difficult for me to do. And honestly, it's still something I'm like trying to learn how to negotiate. Like, how do you still maintain a boundary, even if you can understand where the other person's coming from, like why they feel like kind of pushing this boundary a bit. So, yeah, so talking about like that being a challenge, I've had to negotiate. And, you know, it might very well be you go into Sister Spit tour, you're in a van with like eight or nine people. We probably get on each other's nerves at some point, but you have to learn how to communicate with each other. And, you know, we're here together to share our work. And if we get on each other's nerves, we'll have to learn how to communicate in a way that gets everyone on board and not kill each other. Hopefully it won't get to that point, but, you know, you, it, it is a thing that just happens. Now, of course, you were very active in the organisation of Mama Alto's birthday mm. recently at Hares and Hyenas. Tell us about that. Was it a surprise party, first of all? It was a surprise party. So, funny story is, I tried to do this exact thing two years ago, and it failed because Mama bailed on me last minute. She had no idea. And so it was just like, she couldn't make it. I'm like, no, cancel everything. Uh, but then this year... Um, I knew she was going through a hard time. She was dealing with a lot of family stuff and, you know, just a lot of big life changes. And I remember having a conversation with her where she talked about how she was suddenly faced with a lot of, with a lot of things she'd never done before and she felt like she was not good at, you know, like, and she wasn't having a lot of opportunity to do the things she was good at because of all this other stuff. And I wanted to do something nice for her, basically. And I thought, hey, would anyone be, is her birthday coming up? Would anyone be interested in doing something? And we decided to do a show. Because that's what she does with everything. Like, there's a cause. Put on a show. Like, she did, a fu- she did my fundraiser for Queen Lady Militia. She got a show together to raise money for my show. So, like, you know, this is, this is very her style. And 
people were so on board immediately and especially had the help of Maud Davey who is this amazing like performance artist theater maker she was my mentor for Midsummer Pathways and still a mentor now and she also works with Mama a lot so she really helped like get it together uh Hairs and Hyenas donated their venue. They were just like, you know, I contacted um, Mama's partner and he was on board immediately. So we were like, we got this together and we somehow managed to get a cabaret of like a bunch of people who've worked with Mama before and who love her to perform. Um, we had... So I, who performed? Who performed? Um, let's see if we can remember. We, Bradley Storr, who's one of my best friends and also like a, a, who plays Chad in Queen Lady Magician, but it's also like a... Very talented cabaret, um, musical theater artist. He did a song. He did like, When You're Good to Mama. Half the performances were puns on Mama, which I appreciate it. Maud performed. Um, I did a parody of uh, Tom Hanks, not Tom Hanks, Tom Jones' Delilah <laughs> with lyrics to Mama. Uh, a lot of the people from Gender Euphoria, which is the show, an all-trans cabaret uh, produced by Mama Alto and Maud Davey happening at the Melbourne Festival this year. A lot of those people performed at Mama's party. So Amal Talalu, Queen Eats, uh, Never Zisin, probably a bunch of other forgetting because the, sh- the show was like half gender euphoria and friends. Nikki Viveka did this beautiful poem about the ABCs of transition. Sally Gotler did a piece about wrestling, <laughs> which was great. Um, yeah, we just had like a good... Ilana Charnel did a song and... It- she, it was actually like her last performance before she moved to the UK. So that was really special. Yeah, we just, and we had people who came up uh, to spontaneously to leave thank you messages. We had people send video messages as well, like even including Miss Chief, who's Mama's longtime collaborator who's based in Brisbane. Uh, so many organizations. I reached out to a whole bunch of organizations that worked with Mama in the past. And say, hey, we're doing a thing for Mama. Do you want to come? Or do you want to send a gift? And so many people like sent gifts and cards. And we got some money together to donate a microphone to the Melbourne Fringe Trades Hall in her name. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like we went... Because of course, for people who don't know, Mama Alto is uh, an an emerging icon here in Melbourne. She's a a jazz singer, a cabaret singer. And today she is also one of the Out for Australia 30 Under 30 award Wow. Winner just announced today. So, yes. So, we decided to pull our money together to donate a microphone to Fringe Street Hall. And because her life's work is to amplify the voices of the marginalized. So, what's more appropriate than an actual microphone? And Valley and I went to the Fringe launch. And we got invited to the VIP thing, possibly because of the microphone. And like Simon, who runs French, is doing his spiel. And then he's like announcing. It's like, oh, we promised to read everyone's names of people who donated the microphone. So da 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 And Creatrix Tara and friends who, donated, who dedicated it to Mama Alto. And the whole room just went berserk. Like if you want, there's a video of the French launch on Facebook. And the moment he says Mama Alto, everyone screaming just breaks the audio. <laughs> So yeah, people love her and she could not stop talking about it. Like for days afterwards, she was like, she was so touched. Uh, How did you lure her to this event? Her partner. Her partner made such a big difference. Like this, like the first person I was like, I contacted Michael. I was like, can you make sure she's available here? And he's like, yes, I will. I will make sure of that. If it wasn't for him, there was no way this would have happened. You mentioned Sally Goldner. Of course, Sally does Out of the Pan here at 3CR Noon on Sundays. And you mentioned that Sally did a piece on wrestling. Can you describe that? Uh, I was, ah, I wish I could remember. It's like this cute piece about like being a wrestling fan and how that relates to a gender transition. It, it was super fun. 
<laughs> the whole night is a bit of a blur for me, but it's like the best thing I've ever done for anybody. <laughs> so what's coming up for you before you go to America? Like what are some other projects you're working on? What's coming up for me? Ooh, good question. Um, I am going to be... Oh, wait. I know what I should be talking about. Um, I'm Quippings, uh, the Queer Disability Collective that I am co-producing stuff with. Our show, Rebirth, is taking place on 7th September in Hesen Hyenas. And it's a very new thing for Quippings where we've put queer disabled artists together to collaborate on something. And it's people from like different artistic backgrounds. And this is something Quippings has not really ever done before. So we've got Erin Kian, Spencer Burgess, Nat Harmon, Charlotte Sereno and Elijah Isley. And we've come from cabaret, burlesque, games design, audio design, performance art, poetry. And, you know, they've all come together to create a couple of really new pieces that showcases all of their talents. And if you come to Quippings, if you come on the 7th of September, you can come see what we've made. And, and I'm also going to be uh, moderating a panel at VidCon Australia, which is a convention for YouTube and YouTube creators as in a panel called Coming Out. And that's going to be fat, uh, that's going to be like a lot of fun. We've got uh, who's who's on that panel? Neon Fiona, Riley J. Dennis, Dutchie, um, AJ Clementine. And I'm super excited because Eugene Liang from the Try Guys is going to be on this panel. And like, I just have to like stop myself from going on fangirl <laughs> on him. So that's what I've got coming up. Equippings will be the equippings is the main thing. And also I am on the programming thing for the Village Festival, a multi arts, multidisciplinary festival happening at Edinburgh Gardens in October. And I may or may not have a secret project about it. Keep your eyes up. But yes, Ooh. that's what I'm up to. Awesome stuff. Creatrix Tiara, thanks heaps for joining us on In Your Face today and congratulations on Sister Spit. It's awesome. Thank you. And anyone listening who wants to hope with the airfare or know anyone el- anywhere else in the U.S. I should perform, talk to me. <laughs> but yes, thanks for having me. You're on In Your Face on 3CR. He's Sonic Youth.
Fascism, you're on In Your Face on 3CR with James, joined by Jacob Thomas. Jacob is from the Stop Deportations to Danger campaign. Jacob, welcome to In Your Face. Thank you very much, James. Thanks for having me. It's awesome to have you on board. Jacob, tell us about the campaign. Sure thing. So the uh, Stop Deportations to Danger campaign has come up um, to basically recognise that we're asking uh, Qantas, the uh, very famous airline of Australia, to stop sending people seeking asylum back to countries where they might be in a situation of danger. And of course, you know, Qantas must be deporting hundreds, if not thousands of people a year, and many of them, especially queer people, must at times face the death penalty. It must be horrific. Do you know how many people are being deported each year by Qantas? Uh, look, it's a really good question. I personally don't have those, those numbers on me at the moment. Quite a difficult one to try and work out when it comes to uh, particular cohorts of individuals um, who might be facing a situation of deportation. So I don't want to get that wrong (laughs) in this case. But we can assume that there are circumstances which are above what we might expect. So if it were in the hundreds or were in the thousands, I personally wouldn't be surprised by that. But I can't give you a hard number off the top of my head. I mean, it's interesting, isn't Qantas is like one of the national symbols of Australia with the kangaroo on it, but it's almost like its role in deportations is like the country's dirty little secret. Amongst a few of our dirty little secrets, I think, in this country at the moment, yes, uh, which is, you know, the important part of activism is making sure that we're, you know, bringing those circumstances to light so that we can, you know, be the fair, inclusive country that we claim to be. So tell us about your role in activism and how you ended up working on this campaign and being a part of it. Sure. Well, um, I was approached by the team that stopped deportations to danger through my role as a human rights worker, through an activist um, within the queer community itself. And, you know, facts are facts, I think, on this one is that, you know, from my personal experience as a queer person, as a non-binary person, you know, I have a, a level of understanding of what it's like to, you know, be outcast and to be othered, to be put into a vulnerable situation. So when I was approached to come on board this campaign, it was without a question. It was something that I looked at and said, well, if it is people who are in my community 
um, anywhere around the world, or even people who are queer but are seeking asylum. It is a human right. It is in the Declaration of Human Rights itself. It was a no-brainer for me. I think it's just something that we really need to be working on. How has Qantas reacted to the campaign? Have they reacted? Um, we did have some original, uh, sorry, initial reaction when the circumstance did arise. There hasn't already been a shareholder vote originally with Qantas in the past, um, and that was a resolution that was put forward. It got voted down. At the moment, I will say that you know, I'm not seeing as much of a reaction from Qantas as I would kind of like on this one. At the moment, I understand that there are a myriad of issues that are in the world and that are constantly happening at all times. But there is, I think... I think we have an opportunity here to have a bit more of a practical conversation about it. I'm not seeing you know, as much as response as you know, I think we could be having on this one to actually try and work this out. But, you know, who is to say what's going to happen next? You know, it's going to be very, very interesting to see the campaign build, what the response is going to be. You must be disappointed with Alan Joyce, the CEO of Qantas, who, of course, is a queer person. Uh, you must be disappointed he's presiding over a company that's, you know, deporting queer people to countries where the consequences of them returning are severe. I mean, yeah, it's, I don't think it's too much of a far stretch to say disappointed is. It's a pretty fair word. I think in the larger scheme of things, I'm not overly surprised, personally speaking, if I can be quite candid and quite blunt. I think this is something that we see quite often. You know, it is, um, I think we kind of make this assumption that just because a queer person is in a position of leadership, that they are, you know, they should know better. But, you know, ultimately, you know, it's a business, it's a contract that they've got, and it's the contract that is a really large part of the problem. I do think when it comes to Qantas having, um, any airline for that matter, whoever it was, Qantas is the one we've got at the moment. But in any situation where, you know, a company, a business has a particular line of inclusion and best practice and and gets lauded for that, particularly when it is for a community, and it talks about that community very, very broad, such as the queer community. When it then starts to pick and choose a little bit, that is when we do have to sort of call into question about, well, you know, how unequivocally can we say that you are absolutely for a particular group, especially if you have a connection to it. But it is a messy situation. I would say that even were uh, Alan Joyce not the CEO of Qantas, that it is Qantas at the end of the day. And so it is about really focusing on ending those deportations and really ending that contract. So you're saying that Qantas has flicked this decision to the shareholders. That says a lot about how much money they must be making from the federal government out of the deportation of refugees and asylum seekers. Quite possibly. I mean, you know, it's I don't necessarily have the numbers once again on you to um, be able to validate that, but I can only imagine if the government contracts, so I would not be surprised where it's amount of, uh, you know, a significant amount of money. Well, it would be very interesting, wouldn't it, to know how much money it actually is? And it sounds like it's a vast amount of money or a sizable amount of money, and that's a pretty decisive factor for Qantas in relation to its human rights policies, because this is a human rights policy, isn't it, really? Oh, ultimately, at the end of the day, yes, yes. So any reaction from the federal government, any reaction from the Prime Minister towards the Stop Deportations to Danger campaign? Um, nothing that I've necessarily seen recently. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the uh, federal government were keeping a bit tight-lipped on this. I, we, you know, we have seen other responses in regards to their approach toward people seeking asylum um, and refuge at the moment. You know, we've seen the character test be reintroduced. You know, we've seen situations around, you know, who is and who isn't going to be, you know, technically let into this country. We've got the character test of people, you know, who are, you know, supposedly being deported back to countries where they may not actually have a connection or a safe space to be able to go back. 
So, look, it is. Uh, I'm not, I would not be surprised if the guy remained tight-lived for the time being until the campaign gets a bit more traction behind it. Has Stop Deportations to Danger called on flyers to boycott Qantas? Or is that something you're considering if you haven't done it already? Um, well, look, what we are asking people to do at the moment is uh, a more practical level is, you know, if, if people have financial means, if you are able to buy shares, uh, I personally can't. I'm just throwing that out there. Not that rich. But um, yeah, so, yeah, people do have financial means, you know, buy some shares, you know, get in touch and join the shareholder resolution. You know, if you already are a shareholder, then you can do that by you know, emailing office at accr.org.au and also by spreading the word. You know, it's, it is an interesting one because we've seen the capacity of public pressure within the United Kingdom recently. We saw Virgin Atlantic cancel their contract with the British government around that. We've got a call for British Airways happening in the United Kingdom at the moment. So people power can absolutely help save a lot of people. Jacob, how can people get involved in the campaign? Where can they go to get more information? The best thing to be able to do is uh, you can jump on board Facebook and you can follow uh, Stop Deportations to Danger. If you are part of community or you care about this matter, um, you can sign up and help sign a letter as well. Otherwise, yeah, emailing office at accr.org.au is a great way to yeah, get involved as well. Awesome stuff. Love your work. Jacob, thanks so much for joining us today on 3CR. Uh, thank you so much, James. Cheers. Appreciate it. Jacob Thomas there from the Stop Deportations to Danger campaign and you're on In Your Face on 3CR. And, uh, yeah, here are the breeders. Space woman, space woman, how lonely does it feel? You're spinning
Listening to 3CR Radio.
Gosling there with Vanish on In Your Face on 3CR with James, two very special guests in the studio, joined by Kate Ford and Katie Cullen, who are going to be talking about Queer Spaces' uh, role in the big kind of Renegades event happening in footy. Let's start with you, Katie. Tell us what's going to be happening tomorrow. Yeah, so I'm part of the Renegade Pub Football League. We're a gender-inclusive league that uh, we play footy down at Vic Park. We've got 10 rounds a year, but um, and all of our rounds are gender-inclusive. But tomorrow, we've partnered with Pride Cup and with Queer Space to put on a big celebration of inclusion and diversity in sport. So we've got a Pride round happening and Queer Space is going to be on the barbecue. We're going to be doing some fundraising and just having three games of gender-inclusive footy. Fantastic. Now, tell us how you got involved with our football. Uh, yeah, well, a little bit late in life. I um, never, you know, as a female, footy wasn't really something I was encouraged to do at school, but I came across it at uni and um, started playing renegade pub football Five or six years ago, just friends invited me to come down and from that the league's really grown uh, and moved away from just being a kind of male-dominated sport, particularly with AFL women's as well. We've just got a lot of opportunities for anybody who wants to come and have a kick. We, Anybody's welcome. We just want everybody to feel safe and included and come down, bring your dogs, bring your family and kick the footy. So there's a great camaraderie. It's all about the community. It is um, really community spirit. We do have different not-for-profits who we partner with for every round at Pub Footy, so we really want that community engagement, be able to build these bonds and support people with whatever they're going through in their personal lives, to be able to come down to feel part of a team and have friends around them. I just think it's really important for mental health. It definitely changed my life a lot, just having that mateship and team around me. So we really want to kind of spread the word and get everybody involved. And of course, that segues beautifully into Queer Space's role because it's all about good mental health. What are the links you can tell us about, uh, Katie, between, Kate, between, you know, good mental health and sport? Yeah, well, I guess um, it's that word inclusion, isn't it, that keeps coming up all the time. And I think what, talking to Katie about how the league is structured, it really has inclusion at its its heart, you know. And that means that it's not, that it's structured so that everybody is included without having to categorise anybody first. And that... You know, if we look at um, all the, say, the postal survey and the way that worked, you know, we can see how if you talk about queer people as excluded and then force us to justify why we would include queer people, then you get a whole lot of things discussed that are really damaging for mental health. And we saw that in the postal survey and we've seen it subsequently. So I think to have inclusion at the basis where you're not asking why you should include anybody, it forms community, it forms connection, it forms fantastic well-being and, you know, a queer community really needs that and values it. When I was growing up, I guess football was a symbol for not being included. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like there's been a huge amount of work that's been done, but how do you develop inclusivity in sport policy? Yeah. It sounds like a, a huge task. I think it is. It's Well, it's a huge task because it's cultural change. And I think what we see in things like the Postal Survey or whenever these things get discussed publicly is just the massive amount of cultural work that it takes to to do that cultural change and to shift organisations that have traditionally been very dominated by the importance of the category, male and female, and the, the differences, like really focusing on the differences between those codes and valuing, you know, men's sport over women's sport and, you know, all of those kinds of exclusive structures. And then how you make cultural change there is to really start speaking 
in, in ways that question, or why do we have these categories? And that's not to say we need to get rid of all categories, but it's to really ask the important questions about why we have the categories and why we are making one distinct from another and how we can do it so there aren't just two and how we can do it so that people actually all feel invited in and then we work out how to include everyone rather than justify the inclusion of someone, yeah, which takes a lot more work. <laughs> of course, Cricket Australia announced its groundbreaking gender diversity policy mm. very recently. Yeah. Uh, what are trans and gender diverse people saying to you guys at Queer Space about how that policy is impacted mm. on them, the good and the negative, insofar yeah. as perhaps some of the social media reaction and the Prime Minister's comments, which are the negative, yeah. and then the inclusivity side of it, the symbolism, yeah. which is very positive. Yeah. Well, I think I think the community are always very quick to jump on things that are said which are included, you know, really value people who actually come out and say something positive, inclusive and, you know, celebratory about trans and gender diverse people. And it's always, you know, you can feel the joy in the air when that happens. And then, you know, you can feel the, the deflation when when. The, the other stuff starts to happen and the conversations start to happen that, you know, you can feel the rumbling and the the sort of, you know, the, the digs and all that kind of stuff. Um, so there's a lot of talking that goes on about, you know, when that happens, a lot of talking, a lot of, you know, community building in queer space and, and, you know, reaching out to communities to just try and hold people in those processes. So the birth certificate uh, reforms is another one that's going on at the moment where we're just having to you know, show our solidarity with our trans and gender diverse community and be there and be speaking in ways that show we are a community and we are connected and we are supportive of each other so that those things, uh, when you know, when they're spoken about in, in public, we can try and keep them more at a distance. But that's very difficult to do. Yeah. Are you finding the birth certificates debate is causing a lot of anxiety in the gender diverse community here yeah. in Victoria? Yeah, I think I think it always does, and I think it's um, you know, it, it, whatever happens with the actual uh, legislation, I think it's what gets said, you know, and that's th- that's always the thing that is minimised. I think in our culture is. You know, yes, we've got this law reform process. It's a bit like changing sport codes, yeah? We've got a, you know, we talk about levels of testosterone or whatever, and those conversations, they have to happen. But what what's the important thing is how they happen and what gets said. And, you know, the, the things that people feel licensed to say for some reason, and those are the questions we need to ask as a culture. Why do people feel licensed to say this stuff? What is it that we haven't questioned that we allow this kind of hate speech to just keep on rolling out, rolling off people's tongues. And that's yeah. about entrenched stuff within people about who's in and who's out yeah, in society. I think so. Yeah, You mentioned yeah. the marriage equality mm. debate before the survey. Yeah. How do you look back on that time two years later? Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I think we still have people, you know, clients in queer space who are speaking about the effects of that debate on family, on relationships, on their kids, all that kind of stuff. And it comes up often because it becomes a, it becomes something we're reminded of when we have things like the birth certificate reform debate or anything where that question of why should we include people comes up. Yeah, and then again you repeat these arguments. You know that some people want to run about why we should exclude some people, um, not not for any particular 
reason other than a moral reason, you know. And so we keep on having that discussion over and over again, you know, and very damaging to people's mental health, yeah, which is why the, the Renegade Cup is so fabulous because it's a celebration, you know. It's all of us coming together and it's not, it's, um, as I said, what I find so beautiful about it is it's inclusion in its very biggest kind of forms like everyone come yeah it's fabulous katie you talked about the impacts of of playing football that mm. your life has gone through <laughs> have you been surprised by those impacts and can you elaborate a bit more on on what they are you mentioned um, mental health before yeah well i think for for people who haven't grown up thinking that sport or footy is something that they're really included in or encouraged to do particularly AFL has a very can sometimes have a very masculine mas- or tos- toxic masculinity around it and can be a scary place for a lot of people and it's really intimidating to try and put yourself out there to join a culture like that but what has happened over the years and my 5 plus years involvement with Renegade Pub Footy is that the more different voices we have at the table the more we're able to actually change things because everybody in our community really wants to have these discussions and wants to see how we can be more inclusive and make sure that everybody's welcome. But the only way to do that is to start talking. So um, we've also had some training recently with the Pride Cup organisation and we got all of our nine teams together. We got the leaders all in the room, over 50 people, and just started talking about what we can do. Pronoun awareness within our teams was a big thing to talk about. Um, having, you know, going, when we go down to Vic Park, we put up toilet signs um, to make sure that everybody feels safe and knows that, like, we have um, just these small things around to try and make it a really acceptive community. And we're still learning all the time. Like, we're a very small grassroots Mm. footy community, but we're talking about these things and we're trying to see how we can improve them all the time. Mm. So tell us some more about the Pride Cup. Well, so... Pride Cup is an organisation who uh, reached out to us. They um, have been going for a number of years. They also, there's an AFL Pride Cup happening this weekend as well. Um, and they just go around to footy clubs and try and promote inclusion and diversity and celebrate it. And this has been great for us because it's given us a way to kind of talk about what pub footy is. And tomorrow we're going to have some speakers mm. down as well. Oh, who's going to talk? Well, we have the mayor of Yarra, so that's pretty exciting. <laughs> and our CEO of Queer Space and Drummer Street, Karen Field, will be talking as well. Awesome stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I guess having a politician address it just shows how far the movement has become and how seriously mm. politicians are mm. taking inclusion in sport. That would have been unthinkable 20 years ago, even 10 years ago. Yeah, we're, look, we've been um, really, I guess, just... It's a really nice feeling to see how supportive all the communities around us have been about this and all the organisations we reach out to Mm. have just wanted to be involved. Um, You know, we're already thinking about doing this again next year and we planned this all in a few months, but think about what we can achieve next year and how Mm. many more people we can get involved and just get the Mm. celebration out there. So how many people are involved? It sounds like you've got hundreds. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're hoping that there'll be a couple of hundred people come down to Vic Park tomorrow. We do have nine Pub footy is made up of nine teams, so we've got about 340 players wow. across the league. And, yeah, we're just a very small volunteer-run organisation, but we get it done. So tell us about the nine teams. That's a lot. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it has grown over the years. We are, Each team is associated with a pub or live music venue in Melbourne. It's mainly focused around the inner north, Collingwood, Fitzroy, Clifton Hill, Brunswick, and people just hear about us. We say come down to training, they show up and they meet a whole new group of people, 30-plus people will be at training, introduce each other and just, you know, play footy. Um, so it's not really about necessarily having these structures in place or we don't have sign-up sheets it's just a really you know you're there with your friends and you make friends my most of my friends are through the football team which I never thought I would feel <laughs> you know just belonging in a, an identity in a crisis <laughs> yeah you're just like, it's great it's yeah and it really has I mean not just for me but for a lot of people have reflected on just feeling isolated or going through whatever else is happening in their life, that coming just down on a Saturday afternoon and seeing a bunch of your friends and playing sport has just had that mm. huge impact and it gives you an avenue to reach out, make new friends, and say, who wants to come to Trivia on Tuesday? And you've just got people there and it's just huge for mm. mental health for all of us to not be as isolated. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Give us a plug for tomorrow so people can rock along. Uh, get down to um, Victoria Park. We've got some rainbow 50-metre lines that we've painted on. We're going to have flags everywhere, queer space on the barbecue, kicks off at 12.30, goes till about 6pm, three games of gender-inclusive footy. Awesome stuff. Kate Ford and Katie Cullen from Queer Space, thank you so much for joining me today on 3CR. Thanks, James. I'm out of here. Jacob's up next with a Friday rave. We'll be back next week on In Your Face. Taking us out is Lisa Stansfield. If you've ever been in love Then you know just how I feel If you've ever been in love You'll do anything for another kiss Ever wanted more You'll lose your mind until
listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.